0: The Bible Study Podcast, episode 538. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the kings of Israel and Judah with 2 Samuel 18. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We left off in the middle of 2 Samuel 18 last week. We're going to pick up in verse 19. For those of you who were not with us, you'll probably want to go back and listen to that or start this whole study over again. But we left off with David's son Absalom has revolted against him, and then he has died. He has been killed, and this is the aftermath here. And it starts with this, David mourns. Now Ahimaz, son of Zadok, said, Let me run and take the news to the king that the Lord has vindicated him by delivering him from the hand of his enemies. You are not the one to take the news today, Joab told him. You may take the news another time, but you must not do so today because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to a Cushite, Go tell the king what you have seen. The Cushite bowed down before Joab and ran off. Ahimaz, son of Zadok, again said to Joab, come what may, please let me run behind the Cushite. But Joab replied, my son, why do you want to go? You don't have any news that will bring you a reward. He said, come what may, I want to run. So Joab said, run. Then Ahimaaz ran by way of the plain and outran the Cushite. While David was sitting between the inner and outer gates, the watchman went up to the roof of the gateway by the wall. As he looked out, He saw a man running alone. The watchman called out to the king and reported it. The king said, if he is alone, he must have good news. And the runner came closer and closer. Then the watchman saw another runner, and he called down to the gatekeeper, look, another man running alone. The king said, he must be bringing good news too. The watchman said, It seems to me the first one runs like Ahimaaz, son of Zadok. He's a good man, the king said. He comes with good news. Then Ahimaz called out to the king, All is well. He bowed down before the king with his face to the ground and said, Praise be to the Lord your God. He has delivered up those who lifted their hands against my lord, the king. The king asked, Is the young man Absalom safe? Ahamaz answered, I saw great confusion, just as Joab was about to send the king's servant and me, your servant, but I don't know what it was. The king said, stand aside and wait here. So he stepped aside and stood there. Then the Cushite arrived and said, my lord, the king, hear the good news. The Lord has vindicated you today by delivering you from the hand of all who rose up against you. The king asked the Cushite, is the young man Absalom safe? The Cushite replied, May the enemies of my lord, the king, and all who rise up to harm you be like that young man. The king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. O Absalom, my son, my son. Now, David may be taking this a little personally, but it is his son who has died, but he also may be taking some personal blame because, remember, the prophet Nathan has told him all this will happen because of his sin. But also he had told them, be gentle with Absalom. Joab had not listened to him because that's really not the way you fight a war. And he may have saved David from a bigger problem of what was he going to do with Absalom afterwards. This person who much of Israel had followed... And so he is left weeping, and it continues on in the next chapter, so we don't get an end of this thought here. Job was told, The king is weeping and mourning for Absalom, and for the whole army the victory that day was turned into mourning, because on that day the troops heard it, the king is grieving for his son. The men stole into the city... That day, as men steal in who are ashamed when they flee from battle, the king covered his face and cried aloud, O my son Absalom, O Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab went into the house to the king and said, Today, you have humiliated all your men who have just saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters and the lives of your wives and concubines. You love those who hate you and hate those who love you. You have made it clear today that the commanders and their men mean nothing to you. I see that you would be pleased if Absalom were alive today and all of us were dead. Now go out and encourage your men. I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. It will be worse for you than all the calamities that have come on you from your youth till now. So the king got up, and took his seat in the gateway when the men were told the king is sitting in the gateway they all came before him meanwhile the israelites had fled to their homes so david is mourning for his son it seems not inappropriate but it is inappropriate in his role as king and joab is that treasured kind of adviser who speaks truth to power Joab comes and tells the king what he does not want to hear. Now, Joab, who was the one who killed Absalom or had him killed because he knew it needed to be done, even though David didn't want to do it. And then also, you remember in the last chapter, he tells this young man who wants to go bring David the news, there's no news here that's good news. This isn't going to get you a reward. You don't have anything to tell the king he wants to hear. He wants to hear that everything is okay and his son is all right and his son is dead. And so don't bring him this news. Now, it's interesting that—so he doesn't bring him the news that his son has died. He just brings him the news of the victory, and lets the Cushite, that foreigner who is from the land of Cush. So he'd be a, a dark-skinned man from Africa, is coming and runs and brings the news that Absalom is dead, and David mourns. And, and David mourns, but he mourns inappropriately. Joab is right here. He's saying, what you're telling the people is, you wish we were dead and he were alive. You would be happier then— Well, you need to understand we're all going to go away. If that's the way you're treating us, you need to understand that this is going to be the worst thing that's ever happened to you. And again, the value of the person who is willing to tell you the truth, even though in David's case, he's the king. Even though he has all the power, he is fortunate to have an advisor who is willing to look him in the face and say, you're wrong that is a rare gift that more leaders need. And the higher in power they are, the more they need it. David returns to Jerusalem. Throughout the tribes of Israel, all the people were arguing among themselves, saying, the king delivered us from the hand of our enemies. He is the one who rescued us from the hand of the Philistines. But now he has fled the country to escape from Absalom. And Absalom." who we appointed to rule over us, has died in battle. So why do you say nothing about bringing the king back? King David sent this message to Zadok and Abathar the priests, Ask the elders of Judah, why should you be the last to bring the king back to his palace, since what is being said throughout Israel has reached the king at his quarters? You are my relatives, my own flesh and blood. So why should you be the last to bring back the king? And say to Amasa, are you not my own flesh and blood? May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if you are not the commander of my army, for life in place of Joab. He went over the hearts of the men of Judah, so that they were all of one mind. They sent word to the king, return you and all your men. Then the king returned and went as far as the Jordan. "'Now the men of Judah had come to Gilgal to go out and meet the king and bring him across the Jordan. Shammai son of Jirah, the Benjamite from Buhurim, hurried down with the men of Judah to meet King David. With him were a thousand Benjamites, along with Ziba, the steward of Saul's household, and his fifteen sons and twenty servants.' they rushed to the Jordan where the king was. They crossed at the ford to take the king's household over and to do whatever he wished. When Shemai, son of jerah crossed the Jordan, he fell prostrate before the king and said to him, May my lord not hold me guilty. Do not remember how your servant did wrong on the day. My lord, the king, left Jerusalem. May the king put it out of his mind, for I, your servant, know that I have sinned. But today I have come here as the first from the tribes of Joseph to come down and meet my lord, the king. Then Abishai, son of Zariah, said shouldn't shimei be put to death for this he cursed the lord's anointed david replied what does this have to do with you you sons of zariah what right do you have to interfere should anyone be put to death in israel today don't i know that today i am king over israel so the king said to shimei you shall not die and the king promised him an oath Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, also went down to meet the king. He had not taken care of his feet or trimmed his mustache or washed his clothes from the day the king left until the day he returned safely. When he came from Jerusalem to meet the king, the king asked him, Why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? He said, My lord the king, since I, your servant, am lame, I said I will have my donkey saddled and will ride on it so I can go with the king. But Ziba, my servant, betrayed me. And he had slandered your servant to my lord the king. My lord the king is like an angel of God, so do whatever you wish. All my grandfather's descendants deserved nothing but death from my lord the king, but you gave your servant a place among those who eat at your table. So what right do I have to make any more appeals to the king? The king said to him, what say more? I order you and Ziba to defy the land. But Mephibosheth Said to the king, Let him take everything now that my lord the king has returned safely home. Barzali the Gileadite also came down from Rogalim to cross the Jordan with the king and to send him on his way from there. Now Barzillai was very old, eighty years of age. He had provided for the king during his stay in Mahanaim, for he was a very wealthy man. The king said to Barzillai, cross over with me and stay with me in Jerusalem, and I will provide for you. But Barzillai answered the king, how many more years will I live that I should go up to Jerusalem with the king? I am now 80 years old. Can I tell the difference between what is enjoyable and what is not? Can your servant taste what he eats and drinks? Can I still hear the voices of male and female singers? Why should your servant be an added burden to my lord, the king? Your servant will cross over the Jordan with the king for a short distance, but why should the king reward me in this way? Let your servant return, that I may die in my own town near the tomb of my father and mother. But here is your servant, Kimham. Let him cross over with my lord, the king. Do for him whatever you wish." The king said, Kimham shall cross over with me, and I will do for him whatever you wish, and anything you desire from me, I will do for you. So all the people crossed the Jordan, and then the king crossed over. The king kissed Barzillai and bid him farewell, and Barzillai returned to his home. When the king crossed over to Gilgal, Kimham crossed with him. All the troops of Judah and half the troops of Israel had taken the king over. Soon all the men of Israel were coming to the king, saying to him, Why did our brothers, the men of Judah, steal the king away and bring him and his household across the Jordan together with all his men? All the men of Judah answered the men of Israel, We did this because the king is closely related to us. Why are you angry about it? Have we eaten any of the king's provisions? Have we taken anything for ourselves? Then the men of Israel answered the men of Judah, we have ten shares in the king, so we have a greater claim on David than you have. Why then do you treat us with contempt? Weren't we the first to speak of bringing back our king? But the men of Judah pressed their claims even more forcefully than the men of Israel. We get one of these sort of stories that says that victory has many, many fathers. Everybody wants a claim in the king now that the king is popular. And we have scores that could be settled. If David was one to settle scores, there are two people here that he could settle scores with. First was the one who, remember, as he's leaving, is throwing (laughs) rocks at them for a long time and cursing him. And he says, again, when they want to kill this guy, what's it to you? And he Forgives him basically for what he did, and then he learns the story here that he had been told that this son of Jonathan, who was lame in both feet, had left him and stayed with Absalom, and he hears a different story. He hears the story that no, I had told the servant to saddle my donkeys, and he saddled the donkeys and left, and he left me behind. And it's interesting that he says he has not taken care of his feet or trimmed his mustache or washed his clothes from the day the king left. So when he comes, he sees somebody who has been, in a sense, in mourning for David since he left to back up his claim of his story. He goes to give him back the land that he has given to Zeba on his way out of town and says, no, in fact, you should split it. But Mephibosheth says, what does it matter? What does it matter if I have you? Basically, if you have returned safely. So we have those people who have been faithful to David, Barzillai, this old man who came and provided provisions for David when he was fleeing, and David wants to show him favor, and he's saying, I I can't really take your favor anymore, I'm not going to enjoy the food, I'm not going to enjoy the singers, but take this young man. Uh, presumably a son or a grandson, and show the favor to him instead. And so that's the one who will go with David. Kimham will go with David, and David will show his kindness to Barzillai to Kimham instead. So all the scores are being settled, or all of the counts, everybody has to come to the king. Now they're arguing about, do we love the king more than you? Well, remember, they didn't love the king at all, or at least a lot of them didn't just a little bit ago but this is the way that people react to someone in power. They are fickle. When he is in power, some people, like Barzillai, when he is out of power are still faithful, but most people are blowing whichever way the wind blows. And a king should be wary of those who look like they are being faithful to him when times are good, because that is easy to do. And that is true of all rulers, and it's also true of our faith. It's easier to be a follower when things are going well. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening.